Chapter Seventeen of Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Elizabeth Clett, Houston, Texas, May two thousand eight. Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl, written by herself, by Harriet Jacobs, written under the pseudonym Linda Brent. Chapter Seventeen, The Flight. Mr. Flint was hard pushed for house servants, and rather than lose me he had restrained his malice. I did my work faithfully, though not, of course, with a willing mind. They were evidently afraid I should leave them. Mr. Flint wished that I should sleep in the great house instead of the servants' quarters. His wife agreed to the proposition, but said I mustn't bring my bed into the house, because it would scatter feathers on her carpet. I knew when I went there that they would never think of such a thing as furnishing a bed of any kind for me and my little ones. I therefore carried my own bed, and now I was forbidden to use it. I did as I was ordered. But now that I was certain my children were to be put in their power, in order to give them a stronger hold on me, I resolved to leave them that night. I remembered the grief this step would bring upon my dear old grandmother, and nothing less than the freedom of my children would have induced me to disregard her advice. I went about my evening work with trembling steps. Mr. Flint twice called from his chamber door to inquire why the house was not locked up. I replied that I had not done my work. "'You have had enough time to do it,' said he. "'Take care how you answer me.' I shut all the windows, locked all the doors, and went up to the third story to wait till midnight. How long those hours seemed, and how fervently I prayed that God would not forsake me in this hour of utmost need! I was about to risk everything on the throw of a die. And if I failed, oh, what would become of me and my poor children? They would be made to suffer for my fault. At half-past twelve I stole softly down the stairs. I stopped on the second floor, thinking I heard a noise. I felt my way down into the parlour and looked out of the window. The night was so intensely dark that I could see nothing. I raised the window very softly and jumped out. Large drops of rain were falling, and the darkness bewildered me. I dropped on my knees and breathed a short prayer to God for guidance and protection. I groped my way to the road and rushed towards the town with almost lightning speed. I arrived at my grandmother's house, but dared not see her. She would say, Linda, you are killing me, and I knew that would unnerve me. I tapped softly at the window of a room occupied by a woman who had lived in the house several years. I knew she was a faithful friend and could be trusted with my secret. I tapped several times before she heard me. At last she raised the window, and I whispered, "'Sally, I have run away. Let me in quickly.' She opened the door softly, and said in low tones, "'For God's sake, don't! Your grandmother is trying to buy you and the children. Mr. Sands was here last week. He told her he was going away on business, but he wanted her to go ahead about buying you and the children, and he would help her all he could. Don't run away, Linda. Your grandmother is all bound down with trouble now.' I replied, Sally, they are going to carry my children to the plantation to-morrow, and they will never sell them to anybody so long as they have me in their power. Now would you advise me to go back?" No, child, no, answered she. When they finds who's gone, they won't want to plague of the children. But where's you going to hide? They knows every inch of this house. I told her I had a hiding place, and that was all it was best for her to know. I asked her to go into my room as soon as it was light, and take all my clothes out of my trunk, and pack them in hers, for I knew Mr. Flint and the constable would be there early to search my room. I feared the sight of the children would be too much for my full heart. 
but I could not go into the uncertain future without one last look. I bent over the bed where lay my little Benny and baby Ellen. Poor little ones! Fatherless and motherless! Memories of their father came over me. He wanted to be kind to them, but they were not all to him as they were to my womanly heart. I knelt and prayed for the innocent little sleepers. I kissed them lightly and turned away. As I was about to open the street door, Sally laid her hand on my shoulder and said, "'Linda, is you gwine all alone? Let me call your uncle.' "'No, Sally,' I replied. "'I want no one to be brought into trouble on my account.' I went forth into the darkness and rain. I ran on till I came to the house of the friend who was to conceal me. Early the next morning Mr. Flint was at my grandmother's inquiring for me. She told him she had not seen me, and supposed I was at the plantation. He watched her face narrowly, and said, "'Don't you know anything about her running off?' She assured him that she did not. He went on to say, "'Last night she ran off without the least provocation. We had treated her very kindly. My wife liked her. She will soon be found and brought back. Are her children with you?' When told that they were, he said, "'I'm very glad to hear that. If they are here, she cannot be far off.' If I find out that any of my niggers have had anything to do with this damned business, I'll give him five hundred lashes." As he started to go to his father's, he turned round and added persuasively, "'Let her be brought back, and she shall have her children to live with her.'" The tidings made the old doctor rave and storm at a furious rate. It was a busy day for them. My grandmother's house was searched from top to bottom. As my trunk was empty, they concluded I had taken my clothes with me. Before ten o'clock every vessel northward bound was thoroughly examined, and the law against harbouring fugitives was read to all on board. At night a watch was set over the town. Knowing how distressed my grandmother would be, I wanted to send her a message, but it could not be done. Every one who went in and out of her house was closely watched. The doctor said he would take my children unless she became responsible for them, which of course she willingly did. The next day was spent in searching. Before night the following advertisement was posted at every corner, and in every public place for miles around. Three hundred dollars reward. Ran away from the subscriber, an intelligent, bright, mulatto girl named Linda, twenty-one years of age, five feet four inches high, dark eyes and black hair inclined to curl, but it can be made straight. Has a decayed spot on a front tooth. She can read and write, and in all probability will try to get to the free states. All persons are forbidden under penalty of law to harbor or employ said slave. A hundred and fifty dollars will be given to whoever takes her in the state, and three hundred dollars have taken out of the state and delivered to me, or lodged in jail. Dr. Flint End of chapter 17